So glad you're here. We're starting a new message series today, and I got to thinking that uh, this was probably a stupid Sunday to start a new message series with a holiday weekend, but look at you're all here. You're all ready to go, and uh, so we're going to have a great time. Actually, we're not starting a new message series as much as we're picking up where we left off in the book of Romans. We started a study in the book of Romans last September, and uh, we've taken a few months off to study some other stuff, and now we're picking back up in Romans chapter 9. We'll be looking at Romans 9, 10, and 11 over the next six weeks, and so we're going to have a great time as we look at this, and I'm calling this message series Choice. We're going to be talking about God's choice, Israel's choice, and your choice. And uh, today I'm titling the message, The Gospel and God's People. And what I wanted to do, because uh, we've got so many of you connectors that are new to the Connect Church family, who maybe haven't been here for the whole study in Romans, I thought today would be a good day for us to do a review of where we've been, and then launch into the beginning of Romans chapter 9. So that's what we're going to be talking about. You probably remember, if you were with us for the previous message series, that I I say quite often, Romans is all about the gospel. And the gospel is such an important part of what it means to be a Christian. My life has been deeply impacted by the gospel. And I'm going to explain to you exactly what the gospel is in just a moment. But I have been so deeply impacted by the gospel because the gospel has changed me from being a person that was enslaved to sin to now being a person who has been set free from that sin slavery, and I'm free to serve God with my whole heart. And, uh, and so I have experienced an absolutely life-changing uh, transformation from the truth of the gospel that, that we find in, in the whole Bible, but specifically in Romans. But even more than that, I have been changed in the last 10 or 15 years as I've realized that the gospel isn't just for my benefit, but I am compelled to be on mission sharing the gospel with other people. Happened for me when I was in seminary. Uh, I I did my undergraduate degree as a young man and and graduated when I was 23 years old from Bible school. And then I waited about 15 years, went back to seminary. And the first class I took was called The Theology of Mission. And that might sound really boring to some of you, but it was a class that rocked my world because I found out that God is a God of mission and that God uses regular old people to do the work of the mission on this planet, helping people get reconnected to God. And so at some point I realized God was calling me to be a missionary which was something I always said I would never do. Do any of you ever said, God, don't make me be a missionary? All right, kind of a stupid thing to pray because guess what? God's calling you to be a missionary. Didn't call me to Africa, thank goodness, um, but, but he's called me to be a missionary to this place, to, to Montanans, to the people that I have the most affinity with, God's called me to be a missionary. And, and that's how I've been impacted by the gospel. And I'm going to be asking you today, what, what has changed in you because of the gospel working in your life? But we'll get to that in a little bit. But uh, to begin with this morning, I want to start by just taking us back to Romans chapter 1, walking quickly through the first eight chapters of the book of Romans, and then we're going to start uh, in in the first paragraph of Romans chapter 9. 
If you've got your Bibles, you might want to follow along as we, as we speed through Romans. We're just going to be just in Romans today. We do have note cards up here if you didn't pick them up already, and there's some back there at the Welcome Center, I think, if you want to pick up note cards, and that'll help you stay on track as well. Um, sometimes people ask me, why, why do we have all these visual aids? What do we need videos and all this stuff up on the screens and note cards, all that kind of stuff? I'll tell you why. I am ADD. And I can't listen to somebody talk for, for half an hour that sounds like me. So all this stuff is to keep me on track, and I hope you like it too, but it's all for me. So no cards keeps me on track, and, and I hope that you'll use them if you're AD, ADD at all. All right, Romans 1 through 8. Let's, let's start in here, and if you're taking notes, this is the first thing you can write down. Romans is all about the gospel. It's all about the gospel. And one of the verses that, that uh, I, have, I have quoted every single week when we've been in Romans is Romans 1.16. You can probably say it by heart, but it's up here on the screen. And, and would you just read this along with me out loud today? Because this is critical for us to understand. Romans 1.16, here we go. For I am not ashamed of the gospel... Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Now that's critical for us to know for a number of reasons. One, Paul wasn't ashamed. And and he was running around Asia and Europe and preaching the gospel, talking about the gospel. Uh, You and I don't need to be ashamed because the gospel is something that God intended for us to proudly proclaim. But also what we need to know is that there is power in the gospel. It transforms us. It changes us when we really understand what it's all about. And the other thing that I want you to see here is that it brings salvation to everyone who believes. One of the things we talked about was that, that religious groups always have insiders and outsiders. But that's not the way God meant for it to be. It's not about the people that are club members and the people that we're going to exclude. God made the gospel available to everyone who believes. Poke your neighbor in the ribs and say, this means you. Okay? It's for everyone who believes. All right. Some of you are getting too personal. Knock it off. All right. Uh, Everyone who believes can experience the truth of the gospel. Now, let's unpack the gospel a little bit from Romans 1 through 8. Number two on your outline is this. The gospel solves the problem of God's wrath. How many of you know God's wrath is a problem if you're in trouble with God? And the gospel solves the problem of God's wrath. Let's unpack that a little bit. The first thing we talked about, or one of the first things we talked about when we started Romans was the fact that we are all broken. Every single one of us is broken without exception. We are all, even the insiders are broken. You might be broken because you're an insider. Uh, People sometimes ask me what denomination I belong to. I I tell them I'm in recovery. All right. Uh, There's just brokenness that comes whether you are a church guy or not a church guy, whether you were raised in this thing or you were raised outside, we're all broken. And, and, and the truth is this, we all break differently. And so my junk is different than your junk. My, my sin is probably different than your sin. 
My brokenness is different than your brokenness, but it doesn't make my brokenness any less ugly to God. We're all broken. And that brings us to the next part, which is this. We all deserve God's wrath. We all deserve God's wrath. Here, here's how Paul put it in, in Romans 1.18. God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. That means me. That means you. Anytime I'm suppressing God's truth with my wickedness, I am in danger of God's wrath. But the gospel tells me the next part. And this is where it gets exciting. Instead of wrath, God offers grace. Instead of wrath, God offers grace. Some of you are saying amen. In first service, Jess was leading us in woo-hoos. I'm going to need you again here, Jess. There we go. All right. Anybody want to join Jess with a woo-hoo? All right. The problem is that we deserve God's wrath, but grace comes instead of wrath, and it's awesome. Here's what Paul said in Romans chapter 3. He said, everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard, and yet God freely and graciously declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. So when we come to Jesus, we're reconnected to God. We're forgiven by the death of Jesus, and God declares us righteous. And where we started in the very beginning of Romans chapter 1 was this idea that grace turns karma on its head. Grace turns karma on its head. Now, here's what I fundamentally believe. I believe that karma is just wired into us for some reason. Uh, whether, you, you know, karma is a Hindu belief, it's a Buddhist belief, and, and I'm not going to geek out over exactly what it means, but we all kind of have this fundamental belief that we get what we've earned, don't we? That's, that's karma. Karma says that if you're a bad person, bad things are going to come to you. If you're a good person, good things are going to come to you. That's what karma is. It's even built into our language. Things like you reap what you sow, which is actually in the Bible, but, but it's kind of bad news, right? Uh, we say things like what goes around comes around, meaning if you do bad things, bad things are going to come and bite you in the butt, all right? It's an idea of karma, but grace comes along and it turns karma on its head and it says, from God's perspective, I'm not going to give you what you deserve. I'm going to give you what you don't deserve. You deserve God's wrath. Instead, grace says, I'm going to give you God's love. I'm going to give you God's mercy. I'm going to give you God's forgiveness. Grace turns karma on its head. I follow Tim Keller, one of my favorite authors on Twitter. And this week he tweeted something that I wanted to share with you. I think it's just awesome. He said, Christians don't believe that goodness gets you to heaven. Christians believe it's exhausting to rely on your own goodness to please God. How many of you have gotten to that point and you've realized it's exhausting to try to earn God's favor? Listen, you'll never be able to do it it'll wipe you out. And that's why the gospel turns karma on its head. It's because God just 
lavishes grace on you. So the gospel solves the problem of God's wrath. Here's the third thing we learned in Romans. The third thing was this. Because of Jesus, God gives us new verdicts. And if you were with us last fall, you'll remember we did a whole message series called The Verdict. And, uh, and we talked about six things that God pronounces over us. Six verdicts. The first one is God pronounces the verdict of justified. When God sees you, if you're in Christ, if you've received the forgiveness of Jesus, God looks at you and he sees a justified man. He sees a justified woman. Do you remember what justified means? Excellent. Just as if I'd never sinned. God God looks at you and because of Jesus, he says, "I, I don't see all the past. I don't see all the mistakes. I don't see all the yuck from the past life. He sees you as though you've never sinned. That's a woohoo moment. Second thing that God announces over us. He says, you're righteous. And righteous means that I've been made right with God. It's that root word of right. I've been made right with God. And because I've been made right, now I do right things. It's a change, really, of our very nature. Instead of doing wrong things, I'm compelled to do right things. Thirdly, I'm saved. I'm saved. And, and that's a word that in Christian circles is used a lot. When did you get saved, people say. Well, do you know what, what it means to be saved? It means I'm saved from God's wrath. It's really that simple. Instead of facing God's judgment, I now Im- I, I'm embraced by his mercy. I've been saved from his anger. He no longer looks at me with disapproval. He looks at me with love and acceptance. I'm saved. The fourth verdict is life. You were created for two kinds of life. Abundant life, which means more and better life than you ever imagined in this life and eternal life in the life to come. You've been given life. And then God pronounces this verdict. I love this one. He says, I am dead to sin. I'm dead to sin. In other words, that compulsion that makes me obey the desires of this nature, temptation, uh, th- those, those cravings that seem to control me, when I've come excuse me, when I've come to Jesus, that that sin nature is broken. In fact, uh, Paul says it's been put to death. I'm dead to sin. And and I've I've been resurrected with Christ. Paul uses the analogy of water baptism. We, We baptize people about every other month around here. And it's a beautiful picture of dying with Christ when when we go under the water and being resurrected to a new life when we come up. Dead to sin. And then finally, the last one that we talked about was being a slave to righteousness. Being a slave to righteousness. And so the verdicts that we have, justified, righteous, saved, life, dead to sin, slave to righteousness, this talks about this new character, this new position we have in God. And it all comes to us because of the gospel. And so, as a result of all of these things, as a result of the verdicts that God pronounces over us, we no longer live under condemnation. This is number four on your outline. 
We no longer live under condemnation. Here's what Paul said in Romans 8, 1 and 2. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. How many of you have ever struggled with guilt and condemnation in your life? You just feel like you can't perform, you can't get there, you can't measure up. Let me tell you, it's, it's an exhausting way to live, just, just living in guilt all the time. And uh, I believe that the gospel changes that. We ought to live guilt-free because we are in Christ. In fact, I've found in my life, guilt is a terrible motivator, all right? The guiltier I feel, the more I just want to give up and just indulge the flesh because guilt just demotivates me to do anything good. And that's why God gave us freedom from guilt. I've, I've even found this at my Weight Watchers meetings. I've shared with you in the past that I'm, I'm going to Weight Watchers meetings. Another one of those things along with being a missionary that I said I would never do. And uh, my mom went to Weight Watchers when I was a kid, and I just thought, I, I will never, never do that. And somebody suggested to me a few years ago that I try Weight Watchers, so I did their online thing, and, and that was successful for a while, and then I gained back all the weight that I'd lost. And finally, I decided, you know what, I need a group of people to help me. So I started going to Weight Watchers group meetings in, in January. And... Uh, the first few meetings that I went to, it was kind of like going to a new church, so awkward and, uh, and, and difficult. And, and, uh, and I did a lot of eye rolling in the first few weeks because I was convinced that uh, this was not going to help me. And, and one of the things that I was rolling my eyes at is one of the things they do in Weight Watchers meetings all over the country is the group leaders will give people stars, little sticky stars, uh, anytime you share something that was positive in your week or changes in behavior, if you share something with the group, you'll get this little sticky star. And the first week that this was going on, there's no explanation. The stars just get handed out during the group meeting. And I'm rolling my eyes. I'm like, this is not third grade. I mean, give me, give me the biggest break in the world. And then I got my first star. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, this is pretty cool. And I got my little Weight Watchers book and I stick it in my book. And, um, and so I kind of got reeled in and then I realized, hey, there's something really cool happening here. About the third or fourth meeting that I was at, we're, we're having our little weekly discussion and talking about went well in the week. And somebody raised their hand and they shared uh, a time when they failed miserably on their diet. And I could relate. I can remember, I think I was about five or six weeks in. I came home one afternoon from work and I was really hungry. And the only thing I could find was graham crackers. And I thought, um, I'll just eat one graham cracker. And uh, I ate one graham cracker and I think he wants a graham cracker. <laughs> Come to think of it, I want a graham cracker. Um, I had one graham cracker and then, and then I had two graham crackers and three graham crackers and it was about five minutes, the whole sleeve of graham crackers was gone, you know. And, 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 and this particular week, somebody was sharing something like that, you know, where they just lost all self-control and just overindulged, you know. And, and our group leader looked at this person and said, all right, what are you going to do differently next week? 
then that person started brainstorming and thought, okay, I can, I can change this, I can change this, and maybe if I, you know, and, and, and it turned into this very positive, encouraging conversation. And when it was all over, our group leader took and said, I think you deserve a star for that work that you just did right now. Handed her a star, and I'm like, brilliant! <laughs> Even Weight Watchers understands that guilt is a demotivator. Even Weight Watchers has figured out that condemnation and making people feel bad about what they did completely ruins everything. Because you know what? If I feel guilty about eating a whole sleeve of graham crackers, you know what I'm going to do? Tomorrow I'm going to eat two sleeves of graham crackers. And not track it. Right. But, But I've learned that I don't have to feel guilty because tomorrow's a new day. Grace is new every morning, the Bible says. And Romans 8, 1 and 2 says, Now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. What are you feeling guilty about? What are you feeling condemned about? Listen, when you come to Jesus, there's no more guilt. You can drop it. You can let it go. And that's what the gospel is. God didn't send Jesus to make you feel guilty. God sent Jesus to make you free, free from guilt. Thank you for the (laughs) woo-hoos. Woo-hoo is kind of 2015 for amen, don't you think? (laughs) So Romans chapter 8 then launches in to great stuff. If you missed this this message series, it's available on our website and, and on our app. Um, so many beautiful things that I don't have time to go into today, but uh, Romans chapter 8 revolves around the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and we find that the Holy Spirit empowers us to live in resurrection power. The Holy Spirit affirms that we are God's children. The Holy Spirit, this is one of my favorite things, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. What a wonderful thing to know. And then Romans chapter 8 ends with this triumphant song almost uh, of the fact that nothing can separate us from God's love. Nothing can separate us from God's love. Here's what we read at the end of Romans 8. Paul says, I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate you from God's love. And if you're here in this service and and you're struggling with whatever it is, guilt, shame, something you did yesterday, something you did 10 minutes ago, I want you to know nothing can change the fact that God is crazy in love for you. Crazy in love with you. And nothing will change that. Nothing will change the fact that God loves you deeply, deeply, deeply. So let me ask you the question. This is the gospel. This is what we've been through the last six or eight months. This is the gospel. Let me ask you, how has the gospel impacted you? How has the gospel impacted you? Perhaps you've experienced God's forgiveness for the first time. We just finished up a message series uh, called Finding Your Way Back to God. Maybe you're one of those people that has just come back to God for the first time, or maybe you've taken a vacation from God's love in your life, and you've come back to him, and the gospel is changing you. That's great. 
Perhaps you've come to this realization that we talked about in the last couple of weeks that God loves me deeply after all. And, and you would say, that's how the gospel is impacting me. Perhaps you've, for the first time in your life, stopped trying to earn your salvation. Perhaps you've decided that karma isn't doing so much for you, so you're going to try grace. And that's where you're at. And the gospel is changing you in that way. That's terrific. And if, like me, you're going to an even deeper level, perhaps you've realized that the gospel isn't just for you. You know, the prodigal son that we've been talking about the last six weeks, the prodigal son had a brother who didn't get this. The brother was happy to see the younger son get out of there. I'm sure he was a pain in the butt, right? Anybody have a brother that's kind of a pain? And and I'm sure the older brother was glad to get rid of that person. And, And those of us that have been religious people for a long time, we can forget that God's love is for everyone who believes, not just for the pretty people, not just for the neat, clean people. God's love is for the younger brothers who make a mess of themselves. The prodigal son's older brother didn't get it. The Pharisees didn't get it. There's lots of religious people that don't get it. But the gospel isn't just for me. And the big idea that I want you to get today as we launch into Romans 9, 10, and 11 is this. The gospel compels us to be on mission. The gospel compels us to be on mission. The gospel compels us to help other people reconnect to God. And this is where Paul was at when he was writing the book of Romans. He was on mission. He was traveling throughout Europe and Asia. He was preaching the gospel. He was planting churches. And as we launch into Romans chapter 9 today, we're going to see that there was a group of people that was breaking Paul's heart because they had rejected the gospel. We're talking about choice. We're talking about God's choice, Israel's choice, your choice. And what we're going to see in this beginning part of Romans chapter 9 was that there was a group of people that had chosen to turn their back on God's grace. And there's where we're going to pick it up today. So if you've got your Bibles... Uh, Take a look at Romans chapter 9 with me. It'll be up on the screen too if you don't want to follow along. You ready? Here we go. Verse 1. Let me get all situated here. All right, here's what Paul says. With Christ as my witness, I speak with utter truthfulness. My conscience and the Holy Spirit confirm it. My heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters. Now look at this. This is extraordinary what he says. I would be willing to be forever cursed, cut off from Christ if that would save him. What's he saying? He's saying, I love my Jewish brothers and sisters so much that I would be willing to spend eternity in hell if they would get saved from God's wrath. Now, I don't know about you, but there's not very many people in my life that I would be willing to spend eternity in hell for. But Paul had this deep, deep love for the Jewish people that were his his people, his ethnic heritage, his 
brothers and sisters and cousins and nephews and nieces. He had this deep love and he was so heartbroken because they had rejected Jesus and they had rejected the gospel. Let's keep reading. Verse four. They are the people of Israel, chosen to be God's adopted children. God revealed his glory to them. He made covenants with them and gave them his law. He gave them the privilege of worshiping him and receiving his wonderful promises. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are their ancestors. And then here's the kicker. And Christ himself was an Israelite, a Jew, as far as his human nature is concerned. And here's what we're going to see over the next several weeks as we unpack these three chapters in the book of Romans. We're going to see that God has chosen to love certain groups of people and offer him his grace. And this might be kind of hard for you to, to, to understand, but, but think about it with me. The Old Testament is all about God's promises and love and, and care for this group of people called Israel, the Jews. And God lavished his love on them. He gave them the law. He gave them the prophets. He, he called them his chosen people. He plucked them out of Egypt and took them to the promised land. This was the group of people that God lavished his love on. And then the New Testament is extraordinary because we see that God pours out his love on a completely different group of people called the Gentiles. Do you know who the Gentiles are? It's everybody else who isn't a Jew, right? But it's still a group of people. And and what we see in the New Testament is that God says, you know what, it's not just the Jews I love. It's not just the Jews I choose. I'm choosing Gentiles as well. And I don't know if anybody here is an an ethnic Jew. I don't know if we have anybody here. But, But if you're not a Jew, you better be thankful that God loves Gentiles because we are all beneficiaries of the fact that God chose to pour out his love on us as well. So he's chosen to love us. And what we see and what what we're going to see throughout these three chapters is that God is the God of mission. Being a missionary wasn't my idea. Uh, It wasn't Paul's idea. God is on mission. He sent Jesus so that we could be reconciled to him. God is a God of mission. In fact, Jesus said this in Luke 19. Jesus said, the son of man, speaking of himself, came to seek and to save those who are lost. Jesus was on mission, and God is a God of mission. That being said, however, and this is what we're going to grapple with the next few weeks, Individuals have always been given the freedom of choice. And, uh, and some individuals have freely chosen to reject God's grace. Some individuals have freely chosen to say no to the gospel. <coughs> and what happens then is that for those of us on mission, like Paul, it can lead us to great sorrow can lead us to great sorrow. Paul said, my heart is filled with bitter sorrow, unending grief 
for my Jewish brothers and sisters. I'd, I'd rather be cut off from Christ if it would save them. And, and if you've ever been in this place where somebody that you know has rejected the God that you love, has rejected his grace, has rejected the truth of Jesus, it can lead you to great sorrow. The people that I think of most often in this scenario are, are Christian parents. And I have these conversations every once in a while with you moms and dads that have raised your kids to know and love Jesus. And when they get old enough, they say, you know what, I'm, I'm not really interested in Jesus. I'm not interested in church. Uh, I, I'm just going to walk away. And, uh, and, and it hurts, doesn't it? Those of you that have adult children that have walked away from, from Christ, it, it's painful and, and it hurts. But it doesn't even just have to be family members. Some of us have had those experiences where somebody has, has known Jesus or experienced the truth of the gospel and they just say, no, thank you. And what we're going to see, friends, as we walk through Romans 9, 10, and 11 is this. There are people that we are going to mourn over because they have said no to the gospel. But God isn't finished with them yet. And we're going to see that God has a plan and God has a call. And one of my favorite verses in this whole section is that the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. And once God gets a hold of somebody's life, he doesn't let go very easily. And so I want to encourage you today, if you're on mission and you've got people that your heart is breaking for, don't give up. Don't stop praying. Don't stop sharing. Don't stop being on mission because somebody you've shared with has said no thank you because God is the God of the mission and he is at work in the people's hearts that we love. Do you hear what I'm saying? So let me wrap up with this this morning. <coughs> let me ask you this question. Who are your people? Who are your people? Who is God calling you to be on mission for? It might be family members. It might be your children. It might be your mom and dad. It might be a, a sibling. It might be a, a coworker, somebody that you have a relationship with that you love deeply and you want them to be reconnected to God. It, it might be somebody you don't even know. You might come to the point where you say, you know what, God's calling me to be a missionary to people I don't even know. Maybe you'll join me on my mission to reach the people of Montana, the people of Gallatin County and, and, and beyond. Maybe God will call you to be a missionary to Africa. I don't know what God will call you to do, but there will be some group of people that God says, I want you to love these people and be on mission to these people. Who are they for you? Who pops into your mind right now? God's calling you to be a missionary. I want to share with you this morning, just before we close, I want to share with you some of our mission outreaches that are coming up this summer. And these are opportunities for you to be involved in the mission uh, whether they involve people that you know or not. And I'm so excited. It's like 2015 is going to be the summer of mission. It's crazy the things that God has put together for Connect Church this summer. And I want to share these with you because I want to invite you to join me on the mission. The first thing that I'm so excited about is our VBS programs this summer. VBS in most churches, and this has been true at Connect uh, the last several years, VBS is usually about the kids that attend that particular church. Uh, but our kids leaders have gotten together and they've said, you know what, we want to be on mission to the Gallatin Valley and we want to reach kids that don't have a church home. 
So we're taking it out of this building and we're going into parks around the city on three different weekends this summer. The information is all in the link today and, and some of it is up on the screen. But we need people who can be missionaries to kids and families to participate this summer. The first VBS is going to be at the softball fields in Belgrade. The second VBS is going to be at the Emerson Center in downtown Bozeman. How cool is that? And then the third VBS will be out in our own parking lot. But we're just moving it around because we want to be on mission and reach our community and and help people that don't have a church home reconnect to God. Uh, Our second mission opportunity that I'm so excited to share with you is the Downpour Festival in Great Falls. Many of you have attended Downpour in the past. Uh, What you may not know is that the organizers, the people that do the Downpour Festival, which is a big Christian music festival in Great Falls, the organizers of the Downpour Festival are connectors at our Great Falls campus. And they are people who are on mission. This is a huge Christian concert event that is free to anybody that wants to go. Unlike other concert events that you'll go to, Cornerstone, or I'm not sure what the one out in Washington is, that you'll pay 100, 200 bucks for a big music festival. These are the same artists that go to all those festivals, but it's completely free because the organizers want it to be open to people that don't know Jesus to come and hear Christian music, hear the message of the gospel, and hopefully get saved. And so many of our connectors for many years have gone up to Great Falls to, part, to, to, to be a part of Downpour. I'm asking you to volunteer this year at Downpour Festival. There's many ways you can volunteer. You can be a volunteer um, in, in setup and tear down and clean up, but there's tents where you're praying with people that are giving their lives to Jesus. Um, there, there's just a million ways that you can volunteer. And so if, if Downpour is of interest to you, would you consider going and volunteering instead of just being a participant in the festival? Great opportunity to be on mission. Uh, our third one, I'm so excited about this, I don't even know how to tell you. We're going to be welcoming a man by the name of Chad Robichaux to the Gallatin Valley this summer. Um, I became acquainted with the ministry of Chad Robichaux uh, because of Gabe Martin, who's taking a picture of me back there. Um, <clears throat> Gabe is, a, is one of our veterans here at Connect, and Gabe's been, been a connector for many years, and, and uh, not long ago, he heard about Chad's ministry in Southern California called Fight Club, and it's a ministry for veterans who have PTSD. And uh, Gabe called me midway through his program down there, and I could tell by talking to Gabe on the phone that Jesus was rocking his life. And since, Chad, since, since Gabe has been back, uh, the changes are just remarkable. And, and uh, Gabe said to me, I want to have Chad up to Bozeman and have a veterans event and, and would Connect be involved. And, and so I started looking into it. <clears throat> Chad Robichaux is an extraordinary man who is not just a veteran, but he became an MMA fighter. And this is a picture of him in an MMA fight. Uh, not just a fighter, but a champion fighter. And, and then he started a ministry for other vets who have PTSD. Um, it's extraordinary, his success. Uh, Gabe, you've shared the statistics with me. What, what are the statistics of suicide and divorce in the general veterans community? divorce rate and 23 veteran suicides a day. Um, Chad's ministry is working with veterans and since he's been doing his ministry, how many years, Gabe? Uh, Three or four four years. He's had zero suicides from his graduates and zero divorces from his graduates. Um, 
this is an effective ministry. And so uh, Gabe is working hard to bring Chad up. We're going to have a veterans event at a hotel in Bozeman on Saturday night, August 22nd. Uh, We need volunteers who will be willing to pray and work the event. That's a chance to be on mission. Chad will be speaking here at Connect on Sunday morning. And then Monday night will be a mini fight club for men only. You don't have to be a veteran. Any man who just wants to go through a mini fight club, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be an incredible opportunity for us to be on mission to men and women in our community. Uh, lastly, what I want to share with you is we'll be doing another mission trip to Mexico in, in 2016. That's another way you can plug in. And what I want to end with today, and I know I'm a little long, so bear with me just a couple of minutes. What I want to end with today is this. Uh, number three in your next steps, I want to start there. Number three, will you strategize for how you're going to be on mission? Will you strategize for how you're going to be on mission? Would you consider joining us for one or all of those four mission outreaches that I've just shared with you? Number two is this. I want to encourage you right now, right where you are, would you make a list of people that you want to pray about for salvation? As I asked you who who your people are, I'm sure names and faces started jumping into your mind. Would you begin to write them on your notes card? I'm going to pray for these people. And then I'm going to start strategizing for how I can share the gospel and share with them the transforming power of Jesus. And then number one, I don't know why I can't count today, but it is what it is. Uh, Number one, uh, in preparation for the messages that are coming up, would you read Romans 9, 10, and 11 this week? And will you join me for the mission? I, I, I don't know if you feel what I feel. I'm just so excited for what God's going to do this summer. You know, a lot of times churches just put everything into neutral in the summer. For whatever reason, God is amping us up for the summer of mission at Connect Church. And I hope you'll be a part of it. And I hope you will let the gospel transform your life as we walk with Jesus and as we experience his transformation. Would you put your things aside and stand with us? Let's pray together. Bow your heads, would you? Father God, thank you for not just loving perfect people. Father God, thank you for not just loving clean people and nice people and good people. Father God, thank you for not just loving Jews, but thank you for extending your love and your grace and mercy to Gentiles and people who were once far off Thank you for bringing us near. Today, Lord, for those of us that need a a do-over, that need to be free from condemnation, Jesus, will you dance over us with your love and your acceptance? Will you heal us from the guilt and the shame of the past? And Jesus, for those of us that have experienced your grace, will you help us to join you on the mission and reach the people that we love so deeply. Help us to make an impact. And Jesus, will you send the the power of the Holy Spirit to minister love and grace and truth to these people that we love. 
And Jesus, transform our communities, our families, our workplaces, our cities, our state with the truth of the gospel. Pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.